you are listening to Faithless Brewing, a Magic the Gathering podcast for the Spike Rogue. Each week we design new decks for tournament play. We put our creations to the test and share our findings on the air. Today we welcome special guest Dak Faden 7 to hear about the greatest brews in the multiverse. We talk about 10 spicy 5-0 lists in modern and Dak's picks for the best cards from March of the Machine. That's all coming up on Faithless Brewing. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Faithless Brewing Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Schriever, also known as Cave Dan, and I'm joined today by a very special guest. We here at Faithless Brewing are committed to bringing you the finest brews from all around the world, and today we have a guest brewer joining us all the way from Croatia. Please welcome Josip Jukic, perhaps better known as Dakfaden07. Josip, welcome. Uh, thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan, and hello to all the listeners out there. I am, uh, as Dan said, I'm uh, Josip Lukic, and uh, I live in Croatia, a uh, small town, but uh, for Croatia, it's the second biggest, <laughs> uh, called Split, and uh, I really uh, enjoy uh, grinding and brewing on MTGO and uh, playing a new deck uh, almost every day and constantly in it, uh, trying to innovate and find something interesting, uh, something new to play. As Dan said, I'm better known as DuckPater07. That's the name of my uh, YouTube channel, too. Uh, my MTGO name, uh, name of my Twitter account, and uh, Discord and everything. So, yeah. Yeah, so let me ask you about DuckPater07, just at the top. So that's Duck underscore Faden. The, the now deceased planeswalker and 07 yeah. like james bond but without the double o <laughs> yeah uh yeah it, it's it's kind of uh it's always 07 with my uh, next because i was born on 0707 uh 7th of july so uh yeah that's kind of because oh, okay. of that and uh that faden wasn't really a good name for the youtube channel because uh, <laughs> uh planeswalker is very popular so uh, it's sometimes very hard to find my stuff on the YouTube because of the deck fade in the planeswalker. So that wasn't really a smart move, but it is how it is, and I didn't want to change it afterwards. So uh, it's stuck. Uh, it's an old nickname, uh, old nickname. I use it for a lot of years, and I can't uh, really say uh, why did I uh, start using it. But yeah, can't remember it. Uh, uh, yeah, it it is just uh, old and. Uh, I using it for ten years and can't remember why I started it then. But okay, so it's not because he's he's the greatest thief in the multiverse, something like that. Yeah, really, I really like like the card, and it was at at the time it was my favorite card in the Magic, and like ten years ago, it was one of the also one of the best cards when it was a new card. So at that point, uh, I started using the Nick, and really I played a lot of Legacy at that time uh, and uh, EDH and uh, really Dex Faden was one of my favorite cards at the moment but uh, nothing else very special in that name uh, just uh, just that yeah 
Okay. Well, I'm I'm going to call you Yosip on this episode, but if okay. I accidentally call you Deck, it's fine. You know. it's, yeah, <laughs> All yeah, right. yeah. No problem. All right. No problem. So, listeners of this show will will know you by now because your name comes up frequently, especially in the last couple of months. You're always in the five O's. Like I'm looking at your MTG Goldfish page, your tournament results. It's just it's absolutely beautiful stuff. Like yeah, trophy uh, after trophy with some of the sweetest brews that you can imagine, and we're gonna talk about them a bunch of them today on this episode. I'm kind of sad lately because after the Daybreak Games took the MTGO, they uh, don't post uh, old five O results anymore. So that's kind of sad. And sometimes you just do five uh, O with some crazy list, and it never gets posted. Uh, I think it's not a good practice, though. But yeah. Yeah, that's kind of a surprise, but the good news for us is that you don't just brew sweet decks and win with them, you also record them. You post them on YouTube, and I have to say, I love your YouTube channel. It's quickly become thanks. one of my favorite channels, thanks, thanks. because it's not just the gameplay. I mean, you're an excellent player, I love the commentary, I learn a lot from it, but you also, you use the Magic Online replay function, so you're actually you're giving us a, a shortened version. Like you see the whole game, but it happens in half the time as when you're just watching a streamer and, you know, it takes them two hours to finish a lead. Yeah. Here I get to watch you with intelligent commentary and the whole thing takes maybe 40 minutes. Yeah, I'm really not sure the viewers like uh, the long videos more, the short ones, I guess some people like, some people like that, some people like uh, shorter, some people like longer variants. I got a lot of comments on that. Some people want more short videos just uh, seeing the replays and quick replays uh, and uh, some want uh, a live commentary. So sometimes I do uh, the live gameplay, but more often I don't have time for it and just do uh, the replays and uh, trying to keep it short, around 30, 40 minutes. I think that's a reasonable time to spend on watching one uh, gameplay video. So I'm not really a fan of uh, two, three hours. Uh, I think yeah. about myself and start uh, trying to uh, see these things. I don't want to spend two hours doing it, but I enjoy like seeing 20, 20, 30 minutes of that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. I and mean, for, for me, it's perfect. So that's my feedback for you. Okay. Keep doing it. Okay. <laughs> I love Thank it. You. Thank you. But uh, yeah, I definitely highly recommend Yosip or Dak's YouTube channel. We'll have links to it in the episode description. And when we get to the deck lists that we'll talk about later in the show, each list also has a YouTube video so you can go and watch the gameplay. You can see these decks in action. It's great stuff. So before we dive into all of that, I just want to get to know you a little bit better, Josip, as, as a player, as a brewer. I mainly see you playing modern. Uh, is that your favorite format or what's your range? Yeah, uh, for the last uh, year and a half, or maybe last two years, uh, modern has been my only format. I haven't played anything else for two years. Uh, before that, I was the EDH guy. Okay, so <laughs> okay. I constantly had like uh, maybe seven, eight decks uh, ready to play, and uh, they were all kind of uh, very uh, sick rules that people just weren't ready for. And I think that that's where I got the uh, creativity to and the like passion to uh, innovate in the magic. That was going to be my next question, because, you know, a lot of people love modern, but not everyone has the fortitude to <laughs> build something new and just like put it through the ringer. Yeah. You know, it's it's tough to brew in modern, especially, but you're doing it with a new deck every day. Yeah, kind of uh, most often just brew one deck a day. I'm not a full time streamer like uh, 
Young Dingo or Sparring Spike uh, and uh, guys like that. But I play uh, moderately and moderate. I play uh, sometimes a lot, sometimes a bit less. But I don't play as much as uh, these guys. But I do play a good amount of Magic. And uh, often I every game I play ends up uh, online on YouTube. Sometimes I just get the, the good run and every league ends up 4-1, uh, 5-0, 4-1, 4-1, 5-0. So every league goes on YouTube and I record almost everything. I play at the times like uh, through the last month, almost everything I played uh, went to the YouTube, my YouTube channel. And uh, yeah, that's it. I mean, the results are amazing. And often when, when I see you describing the list, I'll, I'll read how you describe the deck and I'll think, that can't be good. But then I, I watch the games and, you know, it's it's not just that the decks are good, but it's that you take very intelligent lines. I'm like, oh, okay, actually, I would not have seen that play. <laughs> so you can learn a lot from from this channel. It's a great channel. Yeah, I uh, I sometimes enjoy playing uh, really, really bad decks that can get good results in any way. And uh, uh, that's the reason why my, what is it called, my MTGO uh, score total, like uh, that... Uh, yeah, the ELO rating, the constructed rating. Yeah, I have I have a low rating because uh, I play uh, really bad decks uh, <laughs> at the times, and I just can't stop playing them, and I lose a lot. And uh, but that score quickly goes uh, up and down. So after three three times three days of playing uh, Domain Zoo, that score can get from one thousand six hundred to one thousand eight hundred, like in two days. It's it just doesn't matter much yeah it's just a silly number okay so but people often comment on that on my channel like you have a low low score and you always uh, post youtube videos where you're winning so that's the reason <laughs> <laughs> so i notice on your channel that you're, you're often playing something that we would describe as aggro decks Right, whether it's Zoo, I mean, I talk a lot on this podcast about Crabvine. I see you playing all kinds of Vengevine decks, <laughs> Crabvine, Hollowvine. So, is aggro like your your favorite style, or are you? Uh, yeah, I I play everything. I play control. I play uh, combo. I play uh, aggro. Play uh, uh, mid range, and mid range is maybe one of my favorite uh, modern uh, archetypes. But I always uh, loved graveyard strategies and uh, uh, five-color decks. So five-color decks and graveyard strategies have always been my thing, and people know me by that. Uh, mm. My friends from my uh, LGS know that I'm a guy that will either come with uh, some, some graveyard interaction and, or will play a five-color deck. So, But I play everything, and uh, I have experience playing a lot of different uh, strategies in modern, a lot of different archetypes from uh, Narset Days and Doing to Domain Zoo, mm. Uh, through uh, actually, I have a Legacy Cube, which we play often, and my favorite uh, archetype in that cube is Storm. So I often play oh, wow. a Storm in a, in a cube, and uh, really like it. I just don't like the modern version that much, but I like the Legacy version a lot, and uh, so I like that archetype too. And I'm open to playing uh, these type of decks, uh, so I just play it less because it's less fun for my opponents in a, in a, in real life to play against that. Yeah. I think that's an important consideration. I mean, you know, it, it takes a lot to get two people sitting across the table from each other. Yeah. You're sure that it's an interesting yeah. match yeah. for both players. 
yeah, I, play, I kind of stopped playing EDH uh, because I had that. Uh, uh, I had a, I built a storm deck in EDH, and nobody, <laughs> nobody, nobody wanted to play against me. So I, oh, I, no. I was like, "Oh my god, guys! Uh, I have a difficult time creating the deck. I can't find the time to to build it again to go all through all the cards. I can't find the time to build another deck, and nobody just wanted to play against me. So that ended <laughs> up badly, and I ended up sticking to modern and MTGO. So if I could ask you some theory questions about brewing, I would love to get your perspective as someone who brews new decks every day. I'm just like how you approach building a new deck or specifically since we're on the verge of a brand new set, how do you evaluate new cards? Right? We, we have March of the Machine coming out next week. You've just seen the full preview. So when you're confronted, for example, with, with new cards, like what are you looking for? Uh, I'm uh, always... The uh, thing is that you have to play a lot of magic. When you play a lot of magic, uh, then you encounter uh, some uh, difficult matchups for the certain decks. You try to uh, solve that problem. Uh, but when you lose like uh, one game to to some strategy, it is fine. When you lose the second game to the same strategy, like let's say Blood Moon, uh, that is uh, like you get a bit frustrated. When you lose three, four of them in a row, you get really frustrated, angry, and you're seeking for solutions. So mm. uh, when I, for example, my last uh, Domain Zoo uh, tech was adding a Hex Drinker to the list as uh, I played a lot against a lot of uh, blue-red decks at the time, and uh, they were just all jamming Blood Moon to the main. So my response to the Murktide decks uh, jamming uh, Blood Moon in the main was adding uh, three Hex Drinkers uh, in the main, um, and also the list had the Miglos uh, already there. So I was just uh, jammed uh, three Hex Drinkers, and I just can't describe how good Hex Drinker was against uh, that Blood Moon. My uh, blue-red opponents were often faced with a, a line there either play the Blood Moon, let the Hex Drinker live, or just play it, and then I untap, put three counters on Hex Drinker, and they can't deal with it for the rest of the game. So that was the idea, and uh, it works very well in theory. You play it as a last threat you have in hand, they use their bolts, uh, they heat, and then you just level it up three times. Or just uh, if you have to play it in the beginning, you just uh, don't force the leveling up, but you just put uh, one level, then threaten to put another two on the next turn, and they will really, really prioritize killing the Hex Drinker with Unholy Heat, even if you have Territorial Cabo on the board, which is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, really good, so... Uh, Hex Drinker ended up being really good in that matchup, but it's uh, mediocre in some other matchups like Amulet Titan. It's just another creature which Arboreal Tracer totally stops. So a lot of these cards that uh, ended up being like a flex slot cards in Domain Zoo deck are really, really um, metagame dependent and can be great in some uh, metagames uh, while being mediocre in the others. So you really have to adjust to your local metagame and tournament you're deciding to going for and stuff like that, yeah. But if you're playing on MTGO, I'm trying to uh, have uh, the most fresh and uh, list on my channel always uh, as a kind of a go-to uh, go list to play at the moment for the MTGO gameplay. So in the Domain Zoo example that you just gave, so you're starting with a deck in mind, right? Like 
I'm playing Domain Zoo and you're thinking through what are the problems that I'm facing and you're trying to find very creative solutions for those problems. Yeah, you're just solving the problems as you find them. Yeah, so it is different when you're up updating the existing deck and it's different when you're trying to brew something from zero. Yeah, so when you're trying to uh, brew some unexisting new deck from zero, uh, like a sparring spike also does on mm -hmm. the daily basis. You have to think about what strategy uh, would uh, be good in the current metagame. And so you like, uh, everybody's playing uh, uh, Blood Moon, so you just uh, uh, focus on the one uh, or two two-color strategy that could be good, or you, you just some strategy that could play Blood Moon uh, by itself. Then find some cards that can be built around and or that can be just good in the current meta game and try to uh, find those cards to fit them either into existing shells or uh, some forgotten modern uh, strategies some decks that were good in 2016 but uh, people mm -hmm. forgot about it i often do that i have a lot of memory from modern i play for a long time so i try to think uh, like all the decks that uh, were good but forgotten and can i do something does some new card exist which can make it playable again or uh, even really competitive? Uh, so, for example, uh, uh, two latest lists that I have on my channel, which I did 5 uh, with, was uh, Vinota Reanimator list, the Mardu list, and uh, yes. Blue, blue White uh, Orzo uh, Scamblade with uh, Gigs. So, Orzo Scamblade, for example, is existing list, and uh, it was really popular like a year or two years ago. And I really like it at the time. I played a lot of it. I had my absent version at the time. I played it uh, with the Yorion. It was pretty good. And uh, I really liked that Geeks card when I first saw it. And uh, I tested it in some other builds. And I came to conclusion this card is uh, working well. It's a card that is played in Vintage Cube. So it says something. A uh, card played in Vintage Cube uh, has to have some very good potential. It's just a matter of uh, do, can you exploit that in the modern. Uh, but I think that is exploitable in modern. It's not just card that you can play uh, in this deck. I think uh, it's uh, underplayed and it can be played in some other uh, similar strategies uh, with tokens maybe or uh, with uh, small creatures. It could also be playable in a different kind of um, low to the ground black-white list, not just a scam version, but a rock version, for example. I think it should could be e even better in a rock version, but uh, just a scam blade has a higher power level than a rock version, which was like more popular uh, a few years ago when elementals didn't exist. And uh, Vinota Reanimator, I came, uh, I came slowly to that build. I, uh, I'm active in Zoo Discord, as you know. And mm -hmm. uh, I forced the people there to create a Vinota channel. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, and I was writing a lot uh, in that Vinota channel and the people like uh, get their thoughts on the, some lists I made. And uh, I was coming slowly to that build. I had two Mardu builds before that one. I, uh, this build started with Nahiri, the new Planeswalker from the last set. And I was trying to make a Mardu build using uh, Nahiri in a Vinota deck, as there are a lot of creatures in that deck uh, costing 2-3 mana that Nahiri can get back. So in theory, it was, uh, it was okay. 
We're talking about the, the new Nahiri, right? The Nahiri, the unforgiving? The, the new Nahiri, the Pyrexia Nahiri. Yeah, the Pyrexia Nahiri. Pyrexia okay. Nahiri, uh, that bit started with, uh, with that card. And uh, I was using a Lightning Scalamental, actually, as a, one of the oh, wow. <laughs> payouts for Nahiri. And uh, I got the 4-1 with that build, but it was missing something because Lightning Scalamental uh, would go to the graveyard and uh, it didn't work well with Vinota because you would, uh, I think you in Vinota build, you want to build the board presence and uh, Scalamental wasn't uh, really doing that. So uh, I decided to get rid of it and made a second build uh, using uh, like um, I was uh, using both uh, two strategies all the time. Like I had that unearthed strategy with the Scalamental at the time and I also had Vinotavin. Uh, then I realized I could just uh, uh, remove the unearthed, get the Gorios in and uh, put a real, a really good, really powerful reanimator target in like uh, Grizzlebrand. Uh, Atraxa wasn't uh, wasn't uh, really an option there. Grizzlebent uh, seemed uh, better uh, because it uh, draws you seven cards. And I think uh, you can draw fourteen cards and get to the state where you just have unbeatable uh, seven cards in hand for anything your opponent does. And uh, it also Gorio works well with Vinota. It gets back uh, the Vinota, and that is the play. You will uh, go uh, more often than you really think, and because bringing back Vinota uh, will uh, at the times be even better than bringing back uh, Grizzlebrand uh, when you have like four or five attackers and you get uh, four or five uh, Vinota abilities. That's uh, that's game over. Nobody can uh, nobody can beat this. So it comes up uh, very often, uh, but people don't know how to play against it. That's the deal because uh, they sometimes board in a lot of graveyard hate and you just beat them with Vinota. Sometimes they just uh, uh, sometimes they just uh, focus on killing the Vinota, killing the creatures, and then you just play Gorios, bring back uh, Grizzlebrand, uh, draw fourteen cards, deal seven, and it has a, a, a lot of angles of attack, which is always hard to play around, and uh, also some good uh, sideboard targets like Magus of the Moon, which is also Vinota target, can be played. Uh, earlier with uh, Ragavan uh, Treasure and stuff. So uh, also uh, Ranger of Eos has some interesting uh, targets in this deck, like Insolent Neonate, which is very good. One-off in a deck, like best one-off you can have, uh, just uh, ditching that Grizzlebrand to the graveyard uh, when you need it, and it's uh, great to have it, uh, and it just doesn't uh, take uh, much place. Also, you have a four standard on the sideboard, you have that uh, giant killer that is very good against uh, Elish, uh, which is uh, you just play Ranger Captain Ophios on uh, three, and you have your giant killer in hand. A lot of these uh, Omna decks uh, at this moment just uh, trying to play that turn of five uh, Elish uh, using Eldrami's Skull. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a really neat solution for uh, to beat that uh, to beat that strategy. And uh, I have it also terminates on the sideboard, of course, uh, as additional uh, hate. And uh, you just uh, MTGO uh, leagues are really weird. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this, it's it's much different from uh, playing challenges, preliminaries. Uh, so uh, one week there is one meta game, another week there is another game. You just have to play a lot to be really familiar uh, what to expect in the league. And sometimes I can just guess what my uh, 
two or three games out of five will be and just prepare uh, decently for it and uh, try to get the trophy. Yeah, also, that's it. Yeah, I love this Winota reanimator list, and I was not aware of the, the history of the evolution of the deck, because when I look at it now, the finished product, it, it just looks genius, right? It's, I mean, it's Winota Joiner of Forces. You know you need a mix of non-humans and humans, but what I had never occurred to me was that you could use these graveyard setup creatures, right? So you have Ragavans and Stitcher Suppliers and Scrapwork Mods. Yes. And then in your humans, it's it's not just the Ranger Captain, it's not just the Season Pyromancer, but it's also Priest of Felrites, yeah. which is a human that can then reanimate sometimes a Gristlebrand. But I mean, realistically, every time Winota came into play, it seemed like you got a massive advantage just watching the games play out. Yeah. Like that yeah. seemed like the most important card, uh, better than Gristlebrand. Yeah, Vinota. Uh, Vinota is the plan A in that deck. Mm. So Vinota is plan A and the Grizzleband is a plan B. So uh, when I played against that uh, Eldrazi, I think opponent in uh, my videos, uh, I just uh, went for turn two Gorios on Grizzlebrand and he said, oh my god, why I have to play against this in my trophy game? Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> I just atta- I just uh, randomly attacked them for uh, seven with haste, uh, draw into 14 cards and had the perfect uh, uh, perfect hand for the rest of the game, it, which it was just unbeatable for him. And I had, uh, at any point, I had like two Grizzlebands in the graveyard with the Gorios. I had uh, multiple sp- uh, Spirals in my hand, multiple Vinotas. So everything I needed to to win the game against everything that my opponent tries to play. So uh, And sometimes uh, that happens, and sometimes you just uh, beat your opponent with... Uh, Scrapwork mods, uh, spiral tokens, and stuff like that. That's also plan C. Uh, you, sometimes you just don't get either Vinota or, or Grizzlebrand. Sometimes you just uh, play a beatdown like Yagmoth uh, does at the time. Just beat them with uh, uh, undying creatures, and that's it. So, Yeah. I mean, you just tell them, actually, sorry, sir. It's it's actually my trophy game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not sorry. Yeah, yeah. Now, these are great games. I love watching this deck. Well, while we're on the subject, let's talk about some of your decks. So Winota Reanimator, great deck. We'll put a link to all of these so you can watch the YouTube videos also on Deck Faden 07 YouTube channel. But can I ask you about Urborg Lurgoyf? I need to ask you about this card. Because <laughs> I think I talked to you the most in the Crab Vine Discord and the Hollow Vine Discord. Yeah, yeah. And this, to me, is a controversial card. But I think to you... This is just a, a, a new staple, and I see you doing amazing things with it. Yeah, when I first saw the Urborg uh, Lurgoyf, yeah, I saw like uh, Magic 8's video, and uh, he was like, uh, this is the new Goyf, really? And uh, there were pretty bad comments about it, but I immediately saw it in a crab wine list, and uh, I think it just works well with the crab. Crab uh, makes him uh, huge very early, and uh, it's uh, very hard to deal for this uh, damage-based uh, removal decks like uh, all blue-red decks, uh, Fair Breach, uh, Murktide, whatever. Don't play Prismatic Ending or Solitude. Just have a really, really hard time dealing with this. And uh, often I just find myself uh, casting uh, two Urborg Lurgoyfs uh, with the kicker ability in the game and then just uh, winning the game. And after I'd done that a few times, I realized the high potential in that card. and. Uh, at this moment, I really consider it a staple for uh, that kind of decks. 
I saw uh, a spiring spike, for example, uh, using the Ledger Shredder in the uh, Hollow Wine builds. Uh, there was uh, other brewers uh, trying some other cards, but I think uh, I think Urbor Gurgov beats uh, all of that uh, for the Hollow Wine builds. Uh, we talked uh, some more, of course, for the Crab Wine builds. Uh, you said that uh, it's for you it seems better in the Hollow Wine builds, builds than in the Crab Wine builds. Uh, I think uh, I think it is good in uh, Sultai uh, Krebwein builds too, but I think mm. uh, maybe the Temur uh, Hollow One is uh, more explosive and can uh, use it uh, better. With uh, uh, they also have lores and inquiries which can grow him uh, pretty quick. Not just the crab has uh, uh, neonates which are uh, street rates are insane with the Urba Burgov. Mm-hmm. Street rate, neonate, it's just really good enablers, additional enablers for the group, not just, you don't just depend so much uh, uh, on crab. And uh, so maybe in that manner, uh, it is a bit better in the holo, Temur Hollow wine, but Sultai Crab wine is, in my opinion, a bit uh, slower deck. It can't go uh, as aggressive and, and as Temur and just win on turn three, mm. or sometimes I even had a turn two win. But uh, it also, of course, can also be uh, very quick. But uh, I think Goyf brings uh, some uh, mid-range feel to the deck and gives it uh, the value that no no other uh, one card can give. So it's a uh, both enabler and a payoff. There is no other card in the modern that is uh, in that deck that is both enabler and a payoff. It is unique because of that, and uh, that's why I consider it a uh, staple for uh, these strategies. And um, it, it for me it has been really good. I just I can see it tri- being trimmed to like uh, two off, uh, three off, uh, stuff like that. But uh, really don't see, uh, don't want to play a list without any copies of that card. Yeah. Yeah, everything you're saying makes sense. Often, where where I find myself disagreeing with you is that when we're looking at the details of okay, how do we actually fit all of this stuff into the deck? I find that you have a higher tolerance for going a lower land count and for keeping one land hands. Um, whereas often I, I kind of just, I don't want to go below 20 or 19, but not just for a hollow vine, you know, you'll often play 18 or 17 and that allows you to actually do some really cool innovations. Like you have an, a league where you've incorporated Malachir rebirth and grief into a Venge vine, like a salt side deck. Uh, yeah, so it's like a, but, gre- uh, uh, a scam version of Sultai. <laughs> I agree. I'm trying to... Uh, that version plays 16 lands plus 3 Malachi Rebirths. That's total mm-hmm. of 19 lands. And the usual Sultai Crabbine list play 18, 19 lands. So uh, that is the same amount of lands, but... Well, for me, you have to play 20. Uh, <laughs> I yeah. think 20 is, is a safer number, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I play 20 in the regular version, yeah. Mm-hmm. I also played 20 in the, my regular version without grief. Uh, in the grief version, I had to find uh, some spots uh, there, and the Malakiri birds are the easiest solutions. So you get uh, the land that uh, is a real enabler for grief. And uh, I played 19 lands in that list, and it worked uh, well for the few leagues uh, I tried it in. But as you said, uh, yeah, it's uh, that mana base can be uh, a bit problematic, and you play a lot of amount of shocks. So if you get to mill a few of them early with your crab, uh, you will be in a problem definitely. Yeah, that's uh, that's the minus 
of that list. If you just mill a few of your shocks early in the game, mm-hmm. you might uh, get uh, put yourself in a big problem. So uh, you can't have everything. You can have a perfect mana base plus uh, all of that. Uh, but uh, I think uh, there is something I need to work on. Uh, that list was very interesting. I felt like a really uh, just a higher power level because obviously mm. uh, you can beat any deck when you scream, scam a Fury on turn one. There is uh, mm. like no deck you can beat when you do this. And uh, just uh, being able to do this play in a deck uh, that uh, really has some strong single cards uh, you can play after. So uh, it felt like a really good thing. So m- most problem after scamming a f- uh, Grief on turn one for the scam decks is uh, you scam it and then you have no good plays after. But this deck really has uh, cards like top decks that can just uh, solely win the game like uh, crab plus fetch and uh, mm. that kind of stuff uh, like uh, uh, also goif uh, goif with kicker is just uh, can be very very big threat and uh, that's it okay that's it for that yeah it's a very interesting solution to a problem that a graveyard deck often has the graveyard plan usually beats most things in game one but but not always right sometimes if they're on a linear game plan they're just better than what you're doing or they're faster than you. The grief scam, if we'll just call it a grief scam, <laughs> it creates like a broken down game state, right? Where you've spent a lot of your resources, but you've taken them off their plan. And in the broken down game state, the graveyard deck always wins, right? Yeah, whatever right. you're doing, just getting back some random Nork Amoebas is going to be better than whatever they're going to do. Yeah, that uh, Sultai Crab uh, has uh, traditional problems with uh, uh, Sanctifier and uh, Doughty Voidwalker. There are oh, definitely cards you can play on the sideboard that are uh, that can destroy those cards, but it's still uh, hard cards uh, for this deck to deal with. And uh, having Grief uh, in the main just uh, can totally get you into good position if you're able to scam it in a... Uh, game two or game three and you can just often win by just scamming grief and doing one following play and uh, it's uh, very powerful as uh, most uh, listeners know yeah just scamming grief is a tier one uh, strategy in modern time well speaking of scam uh, can i ask you about the zoo scam Oh, yeah. What you call the zoo scam, oh, yeah, I which I'd, I'd never heard this term before. I call it the zoo scam. Yeah, it's a fun name. And uh, basically, uh, I tried to brew with the Melira card. Melira was a new card uh, after the release, and I brewed with some of the cards before that, and it was time to do something with Melira. I was like, what is the best thing I can do with this creature? It's a definite answer was like uh, sacrifice it on the elementals evocability so uh, i started with that and uh, it was a card that started appearing in some zoo decks as a one-off people would try it as a one-off and uh, i really liked the card uh, when i saw it in that list and i I, I said i'll try something in zoo with this list so my additional idea was uh, just playing Fury, Solitudes, Evoke Elementals, and just try to cheat them in. Uh, but what is good uh, about... Uh, I played... Uh, I didn't uh, create a final list uh, immediately. I uh, put like uh, I put it in a classic Cascade shell, Cascade Zoo shell, and had uh, Blood Raid mm-hmm. Elves, uh, General Rokirik, uh, 
Charlotte's agent, and then I uh, I started my first game. I had Fury in hand. My opponent had a, had a bunch of uh, creatures uh, on their uh, side, and I was like, "Oh my god, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, like I can't I can't kill it. I need really need my Melira." And then I uh, cast my Charlotte's agent. Just couldn't find that Melira, and then I cast my Charlotte's agent. And uh, I cascaded into Melira, and it was like, wow. <laughs> I just cascaded into Ephemerate. I can cast, like, uh, that's, like, really good. At that moment, it opened up uh, that whole strategy to me. That's the uh, reason, because it's really good. Uh, it's, uh, like, Ephemerate you can find off your Cascade card. So you just find it with your uh, Shardless Agent, Bloodbraid Elf, and it's there on the field. So your opponent... Uh, it's threatening your opponent like it's really a hard situation to look at and you really want to kill that Melira yeah you really wanted to get rid of it because you're scared of uh, of it scamming the fury or something bad happening to you uh, but then you try to go bolt it or solitude it or whatever and then uh, you try to kill it and then in response I scam my solitude in and uh, I uh, I get the bolt out of your hand uh, I get your creature, I get your second creature, and I get uh, incredible value in that situation. And it's really hard for opponent to uh, deal with it because they really have to get rid of that Malira. If they don't do it, uh, you will uh, get access to more and more uh, good plays for the rest of the game. So they really have to deal with it. And uh, it's really a high reward if you have Solitude uh, in uh, uh, your hand at the time they're trying to do it. And of course, if they have some creatures on the field you can uh, exile with solitude and uh, you get a crazy value and uh, just uh, getting rid of their removal plus getting rid of two creatures can be really good of course after brewing that list and uh, doing the 5-0 with that list i immediately had another uh, brew in mind and it was the zoo evolution deck same same is happening in that deck too because we just don't have a melira in that deck we have Safi Eric's daughter. And uh, I also play uh, Elementals in that list, but not just because I can scam it with Safi, but also uh, they are there because of uh, the Eldritch Evolution. And uh, the thing uh, that was played in the past uh, in the Eldritch Evolution Zoo deck was sacrificing Sion or Jacob to find a Progenitus or to find a 13 Mana Miracle. And stuff like that, but um, getting Atraxa is just a way more powerful. That card is really, really good. And uh, this way you uh, have 10 creatures in your deck or more, depending on how many elementals you play. You have 10, 11 creatures in your deck that you can uh, uh, put Eldritch Evolution to find the Atraxa, which ends the game in a lot of situations. Uh, but the thing is, you can also scam your elemental on turn 2 using Safiric's Daughter. And then also uh, use Eldritch Evolution on your Solitude on turn 3 to again find the Atraxa. So a lot more targets for Eldritch Evolution is not just Sign of Jaco that can be sacked. Uh, but also what was the problem uh, with this deck in the past? Uh, sacrificing Sign of Jaco uh, to Eldritch Evolution against the Merktai deck. That was a big, big problem. Because uh, Sign of Jaco is obviously a very good threat. Uh, in that matchup, mm. it, uh, it mm. dodges the bolt and only heat uh, gets it. So you really don't want to sacrifice your own sign Jake in that matchup. But when you have Safi, uh, it's really not a problem. You just stack Safi on your Sion 
And uh, worst case scenario is uh, uh, if they counter, they play counter spell, they play spell pierce, so Eldritch Evolution can be really uh, weak in that matchup. But uh, when you sack Stuffy prior to the Eldritch Evolution, casting Eldritch Evolution, then if they counter it, you just lose your uh, Stuffy and, uh, of course, spell that gets countered, but it's not a complete blowout. Stuffy ends up in your graveyard, but anyway, that's the place you want to have it in your graveyard. It's the same if you have it on your graveyard or on the field. It's really not, doesn't matter, because when Relier enters the battlefield, it will bring back uh, Safi to the play in 90% of situations. So losing Safi just doesn't matter. And you also have four of them in your deck. It's a legendary, so you just don't care if it's in your graveyard because it will always be a relier target, even when it's in your graveyard. So it just wasn't that much of a blowout play losing uh, Scion to the uh, Eldritch Evolution. And that's the reason, uh, plus some other reasons, like having a Traxta as a very good new target, plus uh, Elementals, of course, as an option to second Eldritch. And uh, that's what I think made this deck bet much better than the previous uh, iterations of Eldritch Evolution Zoo. And uh, it's, I think this is not just a meme uh, deck, meme uh, a strategy, but a real deal. And uh, Young Dingo, a streamer, he streams on Twitch, and he, got, uh, he changed my list to include uh, four Ragavans in instead of Brennan 6, and did, uh, had uh, eight plays in preliminary. Uh, last week, so uh, it's uh, also another another good uh, showing from the deck, and I was I had multiple four ones, as but I still didn't play deck enough to get the five zero. But I'm sh- definitely sure uh, it's just a matter of time uh, when I uh, get to play it some more, and uh, I, I have a, a really high hopes for this strategy. So we don't talk a lot about Zoo on this podcast, so listeners may not be entirely familiar with the card Malira, the Living Cure. This is from Phyrexia, all will be one. It's two mana for a 3-3. You exile it to perform an effect very similar to Safi Eric's Daughter. So they're similar in that you describe them both as ephemerates that you can cascade into, but they attack and block as well. Yeah, yeah. However, a key difference, right, is that Malira has to exile to do her effect, whereas Safi does not. So Safi becomes this combo piece you're describing. Yeah, with the Renegade Rail, yeah. Exactly. And I think in your videos, you point out that a bunch of times, as long as you have those two cards, the Safi can be in the graveyard, it doesn't matter. It's an unbreakable battlefield duo, right? They, they can't get through that. They're unbreakable champ. Yeah, so I played against a well-known player. I think yesterday I had a Renegade Relier and Safi on the field, and my opponent played Fury. That was, uh, that was, I mean, <laughs> it's a nice idea for them. <laughs> didn't probably didn't work out the way they hoped it would. Yeah, it didn't work <laughs> out the way they hoped it would because I just, uh, they targeted both of my creatures. I just sacrificed Safi to target Relier. Relier died, bring back Safi, and they immediately conceded the game. So they just pitch casted the Fury to kill two of my creatures and nothing, <laughs> nothing happened. And, uh, yeah, so they just conceded the game. <laughs> The shame concede, the shame Yeah, scoop. the shame concede, the shame scoop, yeah. Uh, so the thing I forgot to mention, of course, uh, another uh, target in that deck, which uh, gives a deck uh, infinite combo, is uh, Fal- yes. Falconrat Aristocrat. That's uh, maybe a well-known card for some, some people that played standard maybe four or <laughs> five years ago. More than that, six, seven six, years yeah, ago. Yeah, maybe say. six, seven years ago, but uh, not really a card that uh, sees play in modern. 
but uh, it fits uh, this strategy very well. It's infinite combo with uh, Renegade Railier and Stapirik's daughter. Yeah, this is genius. This is brilliant. I love this. Yeah, I, I thought I thought uh, the card that combos with those two doesn't exist, and uh, I was just uh, thinking a lot about uh, is there anything, anything, any creature I, I could play? I could obviously play Goblin Bombardment in that deck to combo with Safi and Relier, but Goblin Bombardment by itself is just so weak. Yeah, when you just use it to combo off, and you won't have a combo every time. I've really needed uh, for that uh, payoff to be a creature, and I remembered uh, Falconrat Aristocrat uh, uh, like it was. Uh, I don't know. Uh, in the last, I remembered it in the last second before giving up on deck. I was about to. I was about <laughs> to give up because I just couldn't play the Goblin Bombardment. It was too bad to play it in that deck, and. Uh, I remembered Falconrat Aristocrat included it, and the first game I played with a deck, I actually just uh, hardcasted Falconrat Aristocrat on four and beat down my opponent with a four one flyer that uh, he tried to bolt, but I played Solitude in the response and gave it indestructible. So it's just it's just to survive and beat down opponent for three turns for twelve damage, and I said, wow, well this is card, this card, uh, this card can maybe. Be good even without a combo. And uh, after I played more, I realized it is uh, working pretty uh, well in the deck uh, just by itself. It's a combo piece that uh, kills your opponent immediately with the flying haster, which also gets indestructible. Aristocrat says uh, uh, when you sacrifice a creature, it gets indestructible. But also, if a sacrifice creature is human, it gets a plus one counter, and both Relier and the Safi are uh, humans. So uh, they uh, both uh, put counters on Aristocratic Sector and he gets infinite counters and has flying and haste and it's a basic creature with indestructible and in most situations you will win the game on the spot. So uh, really, really fun uh, creature combo and uh, you're already playing four Eldritch Evolutions in your deck because of the Atraxa and the Scion interaction, also your Elemental plus Atraxa interaction. So it's just free to include one of Aristocrat as a possible combo win for the deck. And it just uh, works uh, very well. I think uh, it, it could be a really serious uh, modern deck. If, uh, but uh, I, I, I understand that uh, people are a bit skeptical uh, of uh, its power level when seeing the list. And they need more evidence of a deck performing well like that Young Dingo uh, a preliminary result. Got 8th place with it. I think it could definitely help if I do a few more 5-0s with it. And uh, we'll see. This could be another example of, you know, a forgotten modern deck that you're giving new life to. Because Safi, Eric's daughter, you know, that, that used to be kind of a fringe combo. You could do Safi and Renegade Rallier, and people would typically pair that with Ultra of Dementia. It just, like, wasn't very good. The whole problem was it's a graveyard combo with three pieces, and the fact that it's a graveyard combo means that they don't really get any benefit from having a 2-2 and a 3-2. But you've solved all those problems at the same time, right? This is a zoo aggro deck, so when you have a 2-2 and a 3-2, you're actually attacking for a lot of damage. They're, they're meaningful creatures on the battlefield. You've taken away the graveyard components, so yes, you know, a graveyard hate will still stop this particular combo, but you'll still beat them down with it. The fucking Wrath Aristocrat is still a 4-power haste flyer that's hard to kill. So I don't think Graveyard Hate really works against this deck. 
Yeah, and it's also uh, very good the creatures to have on the field when playing against uh, some agro strategies like uh, tribal strategies in modern or death mm-hmm. and taxes, stuff like that. Because you have two blockers on the field that can never die. So they're all, always there. If they don't have solitude, they can't get rid of them. So uh, you will just block two creatures every combat and you will sack Safi and you will get both them back again. And they just can't get rid of it. Uh, if you're playing against Merfolk, uh, playing against uh, humans, uh, especially humans, for example, and uh, they have like uh, 10-10 uh, Talia's Lieutenant and you're just blocking it with your earlier Safi and you just don't care. They can't get rid of it. They can, but it's very hard for them to get rid of it. As it's just uh, infinite blockers on the field, just by having th- those two creatures. And uh, then at some situation, you top deck Eldritch Evolution, you sacrifice your Safi on Relier, sacrifice uh, Relier on Eldritch Evolution, get Aristocrat, they both come back and you just infinite com- infinite put infinite counters on Aristocrat, attack with haste and flying, and uh, that's, uh, that's the idea. I love it, love it. All right, so you have multiple versions of Zoo. You have Zoo with the Malira scam. You have Zoo with the Eldritch Evolution combo. You have regular Zoo, yeah. and you have many 5-0s with all of these. Yeah, I would uh, also like to mention the regular Zoo. Uh, I'm, uh, maybe I was best known for brewing the Zoo list that is widely played right now. Like uh, after the Dominaria United release, I blew, brewed the list with uh, Nishoba Brawler, uh, Vile McCuttle, mm-hmm. and uh, stub- four Stubborn Denials, the Leyland Bindings, that were all, all brand new cards at the moment. And uh, I uh, started playing the list and I got a 19 1 uh, score with, with wow. the list. 19 and uh, 1? Yeah, 19 <laughs> 1. And that, that one uh, loss was. Uh, uh, just a uh, misplaced so it could easily go uh, 20-0 and uh, I put it on my YouTube at the point I had maybe uh, 200 uh, subscribers and th- or maybe 300 and those videos got like uh, 5k views which was like really incredible wow. my first four uh, zoo videos each got like uh, about 3000 views and I was just a uh, starting with youtube at the moment so i was just had like 200 subscribers and each every video i made had like 3000 views which was incredible at the moment and uh of course uh, now uh, the deck is uh, got too big and uh, it evolved i can't call it uh, mine now but uh, it initially uh, that was what i was best known for doing other than that uh, at my early, early beginnings on the MTGO, I brewed a uh, Seismic Assault list and a 5 old with that list uh, multiple times. And it was uh, kind of popular for a short period of time as one player uh, got third place in the challenge. And uh, I saw uh, that in the writings you did before the interview, uh, you said, uh, question you wanted to ask me, what uh, do you think you are best known for? So. That yes, was yes. the thing I was best known in the very early beginnings, the Seismic Assault list. And uh, after creating the channel and getting more serious with it, it was definitely the regular zoo list. There was just incredible amount of people contacting me after my uh, Reddit post about this zoo list and the score I got with it. Just incredible amount of people contacted me. I made a sideboard guide, put it on Reddit, and uh, 
there was hundreds of people uh, contacting me, like saying, I just want my RCQ with your list. Thank you. Then uh, I really got uh, at least 50, 60 wow. uh, kind of messages of people winning their RCQs or got really good placement in the RCQs and stuff like that. So it was a really, really, really good reaction. And deservedly so. I mean, it's a beautiful list. You put in the work. Creating the Cyborg Guide is awesome content. I see you have that on your YouTube as well in, in one of the videos. The Cyborg Guide is there. Yeah, uh, my last uh, Zoo video after the release of uh, the last version, I created an updated list with uh, Miglos in the main. I think uh, Miglos stuck uh, with the deck. Most people uh, played in the main or side. Uh, also uh, had uh, two minor missteps it, uh, in at the time. And I created the Cyborg Guide uh, for that version too. Shared it on Reddit and shared it in the video description of my last uh, Zoo video. So you can, uh, if, for, if you like to play that version, you can find uh, the Cyborg Guide in the video description of my latest video. So, Josip, I want to ask you about the new set, March of the Machine. Okay. But before we do that, are there any other decks of yours that you want to talk about before we move on? Uh, Okay, let me just. Uh, okay, I, I wanted really to talk about the newest uh, video from my uh, channel. It was yes. the Rokirik Rhinos, because it, yes. uh, it's really getting a very, very strong results uh, in the last uh, 10 days. I have, I have a big question about this list because it's like, like a Crashing Footfalls deck, but you also have a two drop in there, and I would love to know why. Like, why, what was the thought process behind this? Okay, the thought process was that uh, there's uh, hundreds of people playing a Cascade deck mm -hmm. with their best uh, Cascade payoff being Territorial Cowl. And that is uh, the people playing uh, the Cascade Zoo deck. Yeah. So uh, there are a lot mm. of decks, a lot of people, just uh, their only goal of playing those Cascade decks is trying to Cascade into Territorial Cowl. They were getting uh, good results by trying to do that. So there are also a whole other group of people playing their cascade spells to cast uh, uh, crashing footballs, of course. Yeah. So uh, okay. Rhino players were really skeptic about uh, having the two drop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And exactly. Yeah. And uh, and uh, like zoo players, where why do you play rhinos? Where you can just cascade into Kabul. Oh, so <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> And all right, <laughs> okay, so uh, it is really two worlds collide yeah, here, it's, two, it's, two different universes. Yes, yeah, it's, it's two different universes colliding, but uh, both of these uh, cascade targets are uh, really good. And uh, what makes a deck really interesting, it's not just uh, it's not having these uh, two cascade uh, targets at the same time in the deck, but uh, your post board games. Hmm. I think this deck can really shine in situations where regular Rhinos are uh, good, well positioned, but also uh, when they encounter a great amount of uh, Cascade hate. So, a uh, lot, lot of these wins, initially, a lot of these wins were uh, like uh, uh, people playing uh, Chalice of the Void, game two, holding one blue mana open for Cluster Storm. And you play your violent outburst end of turn, and they're like, oh, "I got you," and you <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you cascade into territorial cow, and they're like, "There's a big pause, like nothing's happening. They're not uh, not reacting, 
and they're, they're just confused, uh, don't know what to do. They're holding their plus a storm, which does nothing. Their chalice of the void is on the field, and that was the reason they kept their hand, and they have nothing else. That is it. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, so did you sideboard out the crashing footfalls? Or did you leave both in? Yeah. Because I, I've seen in some of your games you, you side out the Kavus sometimes. It's a, it's a very confusing mind game against your opponent. Yeah. So uh, you have to get some experience playing the deck prior to making uh, good decisions about your sideboarding plan. And you really have to uh, know your opponent's deck and what are they sideboarding against you. So if you're expecting a Shalice of the Void plus Cluster Storm, I would really advise to side out all Rhinos and play just Kavu. But also there are a lot mm. of situations like uh, decks like Grixis Shadow, they're playing a lot of Dress Downs and uh, uh, Blood Moon, uh, like Murktide also playing Dress Down plus Blood Moon, where uh, Kavu can be a uh, worse Cascade target. So uh, like um, Blue Red Murktide and uh, Red Black Scam are two examples where I trim on Kavu, but don't completely cut it because it's still very good, uh, can be very good against that, but Rhinos are, is a superior target for those matchups, because against a Red Black Scam, they can scam Grief on turn 1, but when you just play your Shardless Agent on turn 2 and get the Crashing Footfalls, they did nothing. You're just completely back into the game, and their scamming Grief on turn 1 is completely uh, uh, taken care of, and if they don't have Fury to scam, again, you are just winning that game. Of course, sometimes against Blood Moon decks, it makes sense to trim uh, a bit on Kavu, as you really don't play any uh, other uh, Blood Moon dependent cards other than Kavu Lele Binding. So, uh, in those games, uh, just by fetching uh, two basics, you're mostly very secure against uh, Blood Moon decks. Uh, with just one forest, you can cast your uh, Violent Outburst, Blood Blade Elves, and with just one uh, Plains, you can cast your uh, General Rokiric. So uh, having those two basics on the field mostly mean that you can play 90% of your deck even with the Blood Moon on the field. And I think just Blood Moon hasn't worked uh, against uh, this deck in any examples I had so far. So, hmm. And this deck can really uh, post-board play as a regular Rhinos. And uh, just one basic or two basic, sometimes if you have two outbursts, you just need one forest and you get uh, two Rhinos, and uh, in most situations that will end the game by itself, and uh, it just uh, plays very well uh, against it. So uh, in some other situations, uh, of course, either of these targets can be trimmed. I mostly trim either Rhinos or Cows, but sometimes I just completely take out uh, all of the uh, targets. For example, against Yagmot, I take out all Territorial Cows because they are bad against uh, their creatures with Undying, and they just block Kavu very well. And uh, Rhinos is really a superior target uh, for those matchups. So the Cascade minigame, Crashing Footfalls and Territorial Kavu, is half of what's interesting about the deck. The second part that is really unexpected, if you're just thinking of this as a Crashing Footfalls deck, is Footfalls, Rhinos players have maybe eight Cascade spells, sometimes nine. You have 14, right? You have four Shardless Agent, you have four Violent Outburst, and two Ardent Plea, because these are all gold cards that support General Ferris for Kirk. Yeah. And you didn't stop there. You also played four Bloodbraid Elf, which might get the Footfalls, might get the Territorial Kavu, or it might get one of your three drops. 
Okay, so there's an, another very important thing I have to mention about this deck, though. I played this deck before and trophied with this deck uh, like six, seven months ago, multiple times. And mm -hmm. at, at the okay. time, I wasn't playing a general Ferris Refuse. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't a general in this deck. And uh, I played it for fun. I, it wasn't really... Uh, uh, it was good, but not crazy competitive. But once I added general, uh, I found out that a lot of the best decks in the format right now really can't deal with General Ferris or Felix. It's a very good creature to play against uh, Blue-Red Merktide, even against Scam, although they play some Terminates uh, nowadays. But uh, it's uh, great against Omnath decks. A lot of these Blue-Red decks just don't have a solution for it. Only solution, only very good solution that is being commonly played at the modern is Brennan 6. Also, there are multiple ways you can play around Brennan 6 and uh, don't uh, go for the general on turn 3, but a bit later, uh, prepare yourself for a longer game. And uh, there, as you mentioned, there is an incredible amount of Cascaders in this deck that each get a very, a very strong, powerful targets. So there is just no stopping for the value this deck can uh, sometimes uh, provide. And you're in a lot of situations, you can just... Uh, put like 10 power uh, on the field of each turn for like five six turns in a row which is which can be pretty crazy but uh, it can be uh, very meaningful when playing against uh, like four color omnath decks which will multiple times uh, scam their solitude in ephemerate it and just uh, deal with a lot of pressure but uh, very important thing i want to mention is when you put uh, General Ferris Rokirik on the field on the turn 3, it doesn't matter uh, if you cascade into Kavu or Rhinos, because you get same amount of, uh, almost same amount of power. It's even better to cascade into Kavu when you have a Rokirik on the field, mm. you get one more power. So it's, it's, uh, that, that is the thing that really uh, made the deck much, much uh, more viable. So once you get the Rokirik in, it doesn't matter if you cascade into Kavu or Rhinos, because if you uh, play your uh, Shadow's Agent, you're getting the 4-4 Golem from Rokirik. If you hit the Kavu, you're getting additional 4-4 Golem from Rokirik and the 5-5 Kavu. If you hit Rhinos, you get one Golem and two Rhinos. So you're getting more power if you hit the Kavu. That is the really, really uh, important thing to notice in this deck, because uh, just having... Uh, a lot of people were, uh, didn't want to play this deck because they saw Kau as an inferior uh, uh, cascade target. But once you have uh, Rokirik on the field, it doesn't matter. It becomes better than cascading. It gets you more power than cascading into Rhinos. And it also um, gets you uh, the really powerful creature that has a really good ability. Other than that, uh, you know that Sino Draco was uh, really popular in a four-color Rhinos build. And uh, uh, mm. the main thing people had against it, they can't suspend the footfalls on turn one if they want to play turn two side. But uh, you can suspend turn one rhinos and play turn two territorial cow. It doesn't disrupt the turn one suspend footfalls, which is like uh, very, very relevant in that deck. And uh, you just uh, can't believe how many times uh, you have option to suspend turn one footfalls. And uh, often it's ends up being really really important and uh, yeah people like were uh, one of the main reasons why people were against the sign of Draco was i can't suspend my rhinos on one so 
that was a big, big, uh, big deal for uh, Rhino players. Yeah. This is a fascinating take on the deck. Uh, it looks super explosive and we'll, of course, have links to all of this. You can watch Yosip uh, play this on his YouTube channel. Also, I want to mention, uh, give a shout out to the MTGO player, uh, Sydney Dude, which placed third in the last week uh, challenge, 31st uh, March, and uh, got an 8-1 with a very similar list, but he opted to uh, remove Rhinos. Oh, wow. To remove Rhinos from the list and to remove uh, four Cascade spells to add four Sign of Dracos in and four Dead and Gone. So, other than that, list was uh, other than Mana Base because he had some uh, more red spells, so he added up to different shocks and uh, fetches to support uh, more red spells. And other than that, the list was uh, pretty similar. And uh, I think this is also another uh, very good option. If you are hating uh, having both rhinos and cows, I think uh, he made also a very good iteration of uh, that uh, list. It's really a classic Cascade Zoo list, but taking uh, taking some ideas from uh, the Rokiric rhinos list using uh, fire ice, especially ice as a turn to play that can uh, cheat uh, Rokiric uh, on turn three without your opponent uh, having too much of board advantage at the moment because you're uh, often stealing turn two from your opponent by icing their land in upkeep, mm -hmm. which makes uh, turn three Rokiric much stronger play than it would usually be. It's usually very slow if you're not playing turn two Kavu. Yes. If you're not playing turn two Kavu or icing your opponent land, it can feel very slow. And often it will be, and uh, you won't be able to jam it on turn three, which is definitely the turn you want to play it on, because uh, then on turn four, if you play your Shardless Agent or Bloodblade Death, you will mostly end up with uh, like 20 power on the field, which will threaten to end the game on turn five. So you really want to jam it on turn three, as it really uh, makes a game for your opponents on turn four impossible if they can't deal with it, and most opponents really can't, unless they're playing a Brennan 6, yeah. This one one fatal flaw. Yeah. His only weakness. One fatal flaw, yeah. There is a card that protects uh, General from uh, Brennan 6, and it makes him pretty much uh, unkillable in the current Modern Beta game. It's a card I still haven't uh, tested, uh, but uh, I don't even know the name. But it, it's a it's a it's a red white red white enchantment uh, that gives uh, all uh, red creatures plus one and all white creatures uh, all white creatures plus one on toughness and it can be sacrificed for two mana to blink all creatures you control and bring it back on your combat step with haste. Oh gosh! Don't don't yeah. play that. That's a legion's initiative. I think that's a card. Legion's initiative. Yeah, it's only it's only playable. In a uh, in that deck, <laughs> it's only playable in a general Rokiric deck. But I saw it played in the list, in a classic Cascade Zoo list, which played a lot of burn spells. I don't think it's good for those. But uh, I think uh, like uh, Zoo scam list uh, we were talking about before can could really like mm -hmm. uh, use that card well, and uh, it could be another uh, scam, uh, another scam spell uh, other than uh, uh, Melira, because. Uh, okay. Other than Melira and Safi, you could maybe use that Legion Initiative card to uh, scam in Solitude 
Also use it to uh, get tokens with your general, to blink the general, protect it from blending six, stuff like that. It can be useful, but I still haven't tried it, so I won't talk about it anymore. It does take, it takes two mana yeah. to activate the ability, though. So it's, it's not, not free. quite it's as, not free. Yeah. yeah, it's not free, as, uh, as with Malira yeah. and Sophie, but it is another spell that uh, can be cascaded into and it works well with general because it provides you a golem token and it can be used to scam uh, elementals in. So it is another option. Also, there is a new uh, Magic Aids video. Uh, he used that uh, card that uh, ends the turn to uh, to stop... To wow. stop <laughs> really? Yeah. The chance for glory? That card that uh, stopped the turn to uh, stop the evoke ability from your elementals. So that's maybe... Uh, there are a lot of more options to explore, of course, in that list. And I will definitely uh, try them all. So uh, make sure you follow the channel if you want to see them and uh, subscribe. Yeah, you can find all of these lists and many, many others on the DAC underscore Faden, DAC Faden 07 YouTube channel. We have about 10 minutes left and I want to look to the future, specifically to the next set and the new cards, March of Machine. So, Josip, have you looked at the set yet? What's caught your eye? What do you think will be making an impact? And a second question, what excites you the most personally as a brewer? Okay, so uh, as you noticed, Azul is one of my uh, favorite archetypes. It's, I definitely play a lot more than just Azul decks. I play all kinds of strategies, as I already said, but it, uh, five-color decks and graveyard-based strategies like uh, Crevevine, Vengevine decks, and the uh, zoo decks are really kind of my uh, favorite, but I also play everything else too. When looking at the new set, uh, there is just a lot of a uh, lot of cards that are playable. There is not a great amount of really powerful uh, format-breaking cards, nothing like that. But uh, mm. there is a huge mm. number of uh, playable cards that can have uh, impact on maybe one or two. Uh, current modern strategies. I will name the few of most obvious. For the start, uh, let's uh, let's start with one mana instant spell uh, named a white spell called a Surge of Salvation. That is, uh, yeah, the new spell that can be uh, really used in a hammer time. In theory, it seems uh, better than the blacksmith skill. Of course, blacksmith skill provides indestructible, but hexproof, uh, giving you and all your permanents hexproof is very close to also having indestructible, and I think it mm -hmm. uh, will work better. And uh, because it's a main, also main deck hate for uh, red black uh, based uh, removal and uh, discard and fury, just completely, uh, completely very good against everything that red black scam does. And the red black scam is currently tier one deck and very hard matchup for uh, hammer time also so hammer time could be uh, could gain a really a really good card that can main deck uh, for the future okay uh, other than that uh, other cards i see that can be a uh, very high potential is the uh, crocsta and the kunoros mm, okay so you're trying to do a little combo here yeah obviously everybody already know about altar of dementia combo with crocsta it is a two-card combo. Uh, it is uh, two-card combos can be uh, really powerful in any format. It is uh, Crocsta cost, of course, six mana, 
but uh, it uh, it can fit very well in uh, reanimator uh, Goryeo's strategies. And it is a legendary creature. It can be cheated in earlier with Goryeo's, giving it haste because it uh, triggers. If you have altered dementia, it doesn't matter, but because it uh, you can uh, sacrifice it to alter and uh, it gets six cards into graveyard because six is its uh, power, then you can target itself by its ability and bring it back and just uh, mill yourself out completely and uh, choose Tassa Oracle as your last target and bring back uh, Tassa Oracle and immediately win the game. So uh, it is a really two card combo because you will certainly mill Tassa and you don't need it. Uh, you don't need to have it in your hand to win. So it's a two-card combo, but it's a three-card combo if you count uh, Gorios as a way to do that combo earlier. Of course, uh, you you can always you yeah. can always uh, hard cast Proxa for six mana, but uh, you will probably more often just uh, use Gorios to bring it back. So I mentioned that because it's a two-card combo that can fit uh, existing strategy in modern, which is already very powerful. And uh, Atraxa is uh, already a main target for their deck, and the Grizzleband is good, but uh, not as good. So having uh, the Croxa in there uh, with infinite combo, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe it can be uh, better, maybe it will not. We'll just have to wait and see for the Brewers, maybe me, maybe someone else, probably Aspiring Spike, because he's into that uh, reanimator deck, so he'll maybe do... Uh, brew with it, which will uh, may or may not prove to be worthy to stay in modern, but it's an interesting card to watch out for. Okay, so uh, other than that, as I said, I uh, I was the innovator of uh, Seismic Assault decks in modern at my start, when I just started with uh, MTGO, and I'm really excited for this new card that uh, mimics uh, Seismic Assault. Okay, so we're talking about the invasion of yeah. Kaldheim, and you're the second person who's I've talked to. We had Lawson Zandi on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he also singled out yeah. this card, and I don't quite get it. Like, I, I read it, and I think it's a trap. It feels like a trap to me, but you're saying this is going to be a new size of Assault. I have personal preference for that card. I can't say uh, it's uh, the best battle card uh, in the, this uh, set, because I'm like biased to this archetype, I really enjoy playing this uh, seismic assault uh, strategy, and uh, I really, really uh, like the idea of a card being uh, good in that strategy. But uh, what I, why I think it is good, what was the problem for me when I played the seismic assault deck before? Uh, you never wanted multiple copies of seismic assault, and you were always looking for ways mm. to get rid of the second seismic, getting rid of third uh, seismic soul. Uh, I tried playing Fury, stuff like that, to pitch cast the extra copies, and you just wasn't really able to get rid of the extra copies in a good way. And uh, this uh, card just doesn't have that problem, because uh, you can always play it. Uh, it has a very good ability as a 4-mana battle, and uh, you just don't mind drawing multiple copies of this, and it, I think it can work very well with the Brennan 6 and Life from the Loam, because you will always have a full hand of cards, but uh, this hand will mostly be lands. So you will always have like four cards in your hand. It will mostly be just lands. So when you draw this invasion card, uh, you will uh, discard four lands and get uh, four cards in your hand that are not land, that are not land, maybe non land cards, and do something. And you still get to play 
uh, the land card uh, you uh, discarded with uh, invasion uh, or maybe something else if you had like a bolt uh, something like this so you still get to play those cards you discarded i think uh, i think in this type of deck it will be uh, easy to uh, kill this battle hmm. i think it's four defense right four mana to cast four defense yeah I think it's four, and uh, I have the most. Uh, I have multiple versions of the long decks from when I started first the strategy, and one of those versions are, of course, the Zulo. <laughs> there is always a Zoo version <laughs> of every <laughs> deck I play, and but it's uh, not really just. Uh, it's not just uh, like a meme. Multiple streamers uh, trophied uh, with this deck on the stream. PT Bench trophied twice, uh, uh, also Jan Dingo, I think, trophied once on the stream, and uh, Tech uh, performed pretty good at the time. It's very good against Hammer Time, but it's it's a mediocre against, uh, it was mediocre against this Omnath text, which was a uh, reason why I didn't play it for at least three months, or two, three months, and it was uh, not that great against the Junt Saga and uh, Four Color Omnath Piles. So that's the reason why I stopped playing it, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't as good as it was like uh, three four months ago. But uh, with this uh, new card, you are getting a really really uh, high potential card that uh, gets you a much much better uh, mid range plan and much better uh, late game. So you're getting a card that uh, can potentially empty the five land uh, hand from your uh, discard five land. From your heart, as you will, you will most often have a big number of leads uh, there, and you can discard them, use your loam uh, again to bring them back into your hand, so you didn't lose those lands forever. They are in your graveyard, uh, waiting to loam them back in, and you get uh, five fresh cards using this uh, invasion of Kalheim into your um, hand, and uh, you will probably play Fury in that deck. And you will probably be able to use those cards immediately, like having one mana removal, having a fury to pitch cast, stuff like that. And then uh, when it flips, when you flip it into the seismic assault, when you kill the battle and flip it on the other side, it's really powerful. It's just uh, upgraded uh, seismic assault, and it will mostly end the game on the spot because every land you discard gets you the card from the top of your library which is just insane uh, insane value for that kind of deck. And I th- don't think it's uh, uh, beatable uh, because you will mostly have answers with Bosages for any pitting needles and stuff that may uh, stop the deck or something like that. So, Yeah, so that answers one of the main questions I had. Most of the scenarios people, people described were, okay, you have Renan 6, so your hand is full of lands. And I said, well, what if you don't have Renin 6, right? Then the card seems terrible. But you're saying, okay, actually, we're going we're gonna to be a dedicated Seismic Assault-style deck. We're going to play Life from the Loam and Renin 6. So we're really going to yeah. make sure we have lands. <laughs> okay. You're playing probably playing three Life from the Loams in that deck, and you're playing four Renin 6. So there is really uh, playing also a high number of lands, uh, certainly 24, 25 lands, or even higher than that. I think three life on the loams and four run and six will ensure, plus the high land count will ensure you always have them, always have lands in your hand to use when the assault is active. Okay, well, I'm excited to see what you do with Invasion of Kaltheim. Yeah. Any other cards that are high on your list? Yeah, there are other cards like um, 
I really like that five mana god, uh, Jeru and Hazaret. Mm. I think I think okay. potential of hard casting the Emrakul is uh, very tempting to play. I think uh, also st- very similar to my Vinota Reanimator. Mm-hmm. You can use that uh, Jeru and Hazaret uh, god to uh, have uh, two uh, two winning strategies. Like uh, one strategy can be the animator strategy using Emrakul, of course, uh, with Gorius Vengeance. And the other strategy can be also using Jeru uh, with the Gorius Vengeance, finding that Emrakul actually hard casting it. Uh, it allows casting of the card, I think. It does, yeah. It also can, uh, you can also have that uh, Mardu Big Red beat down plan using uh, using uh, Jeru Hazaret as a Vigilance Haster, which is uh, huge, has huge power toughness. You'll also probably play uh, Seasoned Pyromancer in that deck, uh, Fables, uh, Ragavans, uh, stuff like that. So you will have that aggro plan uh, plus a uh, very uh, strong. Uh, Reanimator plan, and I think uh, I think combining this can end up uh, to something really similar to the Vinota Reanimator list we talked about. And uh, but we'll just have to see if this uh, is proves to be playable or just a theory. Yeah, your your Vinota Reanimator list was the first deck I thought of when we saw Jero and Hazaret. And what's really cute is that. Jiru is a human, like it's a human god. So Winota actually finds Jiru on the attack trigger, and then Jiru finds Winota on the attack trigger. <laughs> so, so I'm not even sure you need Emrakul. Like Emrakul is good, obviously, but it doesn't really fit with the Winota half, and it actually just kind of screws up your graveyard. So it's it's a really interesting, fascinating card to to add to that shell. Yeah, I'm excited about that card. Definitely. Uh, also, some other cards I would like to mention: uh, a Seed Shark. Creates in, in, incubators. Oh yes. We'll know how uh, how uh, strong can uh, resolve the shark typhoon be. It's a two four creature, so it means it doesn't die to lightning bolt, which is very relevant. Uh, if you can uh, if you can resolve it, it also makes artifact tokens, which can be uh, relevant for the art- artifact strategies. There was also some uh, artifact builds with the iconoclast. So this can maybe fit in the same deck, also making artifact tokens, using cards like Totcast for one mana, drawing two cards, uh, creating a potential 5-5 creature for just one mana, which can you, you need to use mana, unfortunately, I mean, luckily, to flip it because it would be <laughs> too strong. But uh, you can, uh, you can uh, theoretically, in an artifact deck, uh, cast Totcast for one mana, draw two cards, and get a potential 5-5 uh, five, five creature for just uh, which you can flip for 2 mana where you want. And I think it has a potential. Uh, it's not like Monastery Mentor or Iconoclast that just makes 1-1 one, one tokens. You can choose which of, those, uh, which of those creatures you will use mana for to flip. You maybe don't uh, use it on a 1-1 one, one, one creature, but when, uh, when it's a 5-5, five, five, then 2 mana is well spent to do this. Uh, also, Hello Forager, it's a card, the, the fairy card, black-blue card. It's a card I'm excited for using in uh, zoo lists, especially, uh, for example, in the Rakiric Rhinos list. Uh, it's a blue card that is uh, very important for the Force of Negations in my sideboard. It also uh, is a decent cascade target for the Bloodbraid Elf when you have uh, Rhinos in your graveyard. 
you will just for zero mana you can replay the rhinos i think it will just work well in that build and i'm excited to try it other than that uh, i think it can be maybe cyborg card for some strategies uh, trying to fight a living index and just completely reversing uh there the thing they did with living end <laughs> that's right because it's allowed to cast from yeah, the opponent's graveyard yeah. so if they yeah. got a living end in the graveyard yeah you can cast it it's good because you can cast it from your opponent's graveyard too so you can use their lightning bolts mm. their unholy heat uh fatal pushes uh, against them uh you can use uh to replay your opponent's uh, uh crushing footfalls you can also replay your own crushing footfalls. I think it will be a great fit for the Rokiric Rhinos list, but I'll just have to think more about how to fit it exactly. Uh, other than that, uh, I would like to mention Convoke spells. There are a lot of Convoke spells. Mm. Uh, all of them still uh, haven't been spoiled, but uh, the bl- Black uh, Removal spell with the Surveil 2, I think it's uh, among the best uh, Convoke uh, spells uh, spoiled so far. Yeah, Pile On, that one's the... Three and a black. Pylon, yeah, pylon, yeah. That is, yeah. Also, a lot of uh, other, a lot of other convoke spells. I like. There is uh, some obvious that are good, but I, I kind of like that uh, draw too. Oh really? Meeting of the minds. Okay. Yeah, I like that draw two card that can be maybe used in some comboish creature based mm, decks. Okay. I'm a creature based deck lover, and I really <laughs> like, uh, yeah really like to cast my creatures and cheat them in in various ways. And I think that can be like a decent uh, card to play maybe in uh, some deck that maybe still doesn't exist or maybe in some existing deck like uh, something similar to Elves, but not the existing versions, but uh, something uh, something that must be uh, brewed with. Uh, it's a card that I'll be brewed with, but it's maybe not the most obvious, uh, obvious card that's can be potentially used in modern. Other than that, there are those multicolor cards uh, that has names with uh, multiple well-known legendary creatures like Talia, Gitrog, Zimon, Dina, uh, Errant, and Giada. So that cards, I think they will not see uh, much play, but are very interesting build-around cards that will definitely be used by brewers in this post-release uh, state, and I think definitely people will try to do something. I'm most excited for trying something with Simone and uh, Dina. Okay. Because I uh, I think it has uh, four toughness, which can be very relevant. Yes. And uh, I'm thinking of the ways I can use their passive immediately, and uh, maybe uh, some uh, free-to-play uh, throw spells like this, Meeting of Minds, can be used to draw two uh, for zero mana and also trigger the Simone immediately. Uh, stuff like that. Um, I think I'll try something with it and have to see if it will work out or not. There is also that uh, White Knight, five mana. Uh, I'm not really high on it, but it can it can only be good maybe in the uh, Death and Texas. Death and Texas, because Death and Texas is a deck that often has uh, white untapped creatures standing there like Stoneforge Mystic, like creatures not attacking. But when you have two, three creatures to tap, you're already in a winning position. And I don't like those type of cards that are uh, good when you when you are in a good position and bad when you don't have anything. So it often feels like a win more type of cards. But uh, you know, Death in Texas is a strategy that will often have 
a few untapped creatures staying there and it doesn't have to be a win more card so it can provide uh it can be a good value engine and i think it could maybe work there but as i said i'm not really too high on it hmm. but i would like to mention it and there is one final card i would like to mention from the uh this edition it is the rona herald of invasion oh yes love this card yeah, uh, this is the card I can see uh, being pretty good in the Catist combo. I have watched the Crokies. He's a historic uh, uh, standard streamer, popular mm-hmm. on Twitch. I watched him play the Catist combo in Pioneer. And uh, I got to say, it feels uh, pretty, pretty powerful. He was using the new Jays as a win condition. And I think this will be a great fit in those type of Catist uh, decks in Pioneer. I, but I also think it's uh, the same can be done in modern, uh, but we'll just have to see just uh, how uh, uh, how strong that uh, that strategy will feel. Yeah, I think we would have to play it in modern because it is banned in Pioneer. Crokies must have been playing Historic, where I think you can still do it in Historic. But in Pioneer, they banned the Kethys. But modern, okay. modern okay. Kethys, we haven't yeah, he actually... Playing, he was playing Historic then, yeah, right. But modern Kethys is very interesting. I would love to see yeah. what he can do with that. Yeah, uh, it it is definitely uh, so. When you start doing the cat his thing and start replaying uh, Mox Opals, and uh, the number of times you can do the Rona ability can really be uh, very powerful. Just replaying that Mox Amber from the graveyard multiple times, getting the loot ability, filling the graveyard in the process to uh, to again fuel the cat his. I think uh, this card has a potential uh, to make that deck uh, much better. But it is a question, it, 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 will that much better be, uh, uh, how competitive will that still be? Uh, but I have, uh, I have a good feeling that it could bring maybe that strategy to the uh, to bigger competitive level. That's very interesting, because we, we talked a lot in our set review episodes about you know combining Rona with Mox Amber and Retraction Helix, which you can do in Pioneer. But we hadn't really thought about Kethys, and it seems perfect for that strategy. It seems perfect for that combo. So that'll be very exciting to see. Yeah. Yeah, this is an amazing list. I'm, I'm glad you put the Chrome Host Seed Shark on there. That's my personal number one card from the set. I'm <laughs> excited to make some huge incubation tokens, but I'm also just really excited to see what you and what other brewers out there are able to do with all these fun new toys. Obviously, uh, there, are, there are other cards that have potential, like that Phoenix. Mm, yes. I think that uh, there, there's that card that will be played in Hardened Scales as a one-off. Oh, the, the new um, Ozolith Shattered Spire. Yeah, the new Ozolith will probably be played as a one-off. Bloodfeather Phoenix was the Phoenix you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah there is a Phoenix card, but there is already a Flame Wake Phoenix, uh, which is legal and modern. Nobody plays it. It the, requires a creature with power 4 on the field which is slightly uh, worse than just dealing the damage with uh, your... It's easier to deal damage with your uh, instant spell like Bolt, Lava Dart. So uh, it's uh, it's uh, more playable, but uh, it's uh, still just a 2-2. It's still just a 2-2, so uh, there is uh, much more powerful stuff happening in Modern than uh, paying one mana to bring back your 2-2 from the graveyard. So uh, I'm not too high on it as some other people, but I think it's a playable. Yeah. All right. Well, I think by the time this episode is coming out, we will be able to actually test out these ideas. So March of the Machine will be fresh on everyone's mind. 
I can't wait to see what you come up with, Yosef. Excited to check out your videos and just chat with you more on Discord. So you mentioned at the top, uh, you are on Twitter now. Uh, you're on YouTube, so definitely go subscribe, DakFaden07. That's Dak underscore Faden. You're on various Discords as well, as people can find you online. Uh, I know you're on Zoo Discord, you're in Crabvine Discord. Uh, where else are you? Uh, well, I'm also in Rhino's Discord and uh, Enigmatic Incarnation Discord, but that Discord is really uh, not popular. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that is uh, that is maybe uh, it is very popular in Pioneer, but not in Modern. I don't know what is the reason, but uh, enigmatic incarnation deck in Modern just uh, don't get almost any interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a very low interest, uh, but it is very popular deck in Pioneer and very viable, strong option there. But uh, people tend to just kind of think low or low on it in a modern form. Yeah, you'll have to bring it back. You can check out, uh, Yosef has a Enigmatic Elementals deck on his channel. So there's tons of stuff to explore. You can always pick his brain about it. I think I definitely brought it back uh, when Yorion was legal. I played the deck. I had uh, five consecutive uh, MTGO leagues in a row. I had six trophies in uh, five days. Oh my gosh, wow. Stuff like that. And it was just uh, constantly on my channel. And uh, it was constantly uh, showing up in the MTGO League results, but just nobody had any interest to pick that up. So I kind of just gave up on it, and that was it. So <laughs> You got to show in the path, but there's nothing we can yeah. do about it if they don't want to yeah. try it. If you don't want to try it, you don't want to try it, that's it, yeah. All right, well, I think that's all the time we have for today, but there's much more content on Dax's YouTube channel. We will include links to all of your socials, in the episode description, in the show notes of this episode. Josip, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. It's a pleasure to talk to you and just pick your brain and hear about uh, all these great, awesome 5.0 lists. Uh, yeah, so uh, I tried to uh, point out some uh, thing I uh, think that uh, can be relevant for those uh, ideas, and I think we got most of them through. Of course, there is more stuff on the channel mm-hmm. uh, we didn't talk about, but uh, you can see it for yourself, as Dan said. Check it on the YouTube uh, to see what you like. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Dan. It's great to have you, and I'm sure we'll see you around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was great to talk to you, and uh, hope to talk to you again at the uh, other opportunity. All right. Take care. Okay. You too. Decklist for this episode can be found at our homepage, faithlessbrewing.com. And don't forget to follow Yosef at Dak underscore Faden 07 on YouTube for more modern spice. Support for this podcast is provided by brewers like you. If you enjoyed this episode, visit patreon.com slash faithlessbrewing for Discord access, bonus content, and more. That's all for today. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time.